electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, Dan Nathan, Brian Kelly, and Nadine Turman. Tonight on Fast, there's gold and them, their charts. At least the chart master thinks so. Carter Worth is here to tell us what he is seeing next for the precious metal. And out of gas, the energy sector snapping an eight-month winning streak, posting its worst month since September. But is there a way to play the energy space? We've got some answers. Plus, we may have one big week of earnings behind us, but we are not done yet. From Alibaba to Uber, we've got a slew of big names on deck. We'll bring you the one name each trader is watching. We start off with an Amazon smackdown, the e-commerce giant raising the red flag on its future in a big way, seeing shares punished to end the week. The stock sinking more than 7.5%. That's its biggest loss since May of last year. Take a look at some of the other online retailers falling alongside Amazon. ThreadUp, Wayfair, Etsy, all dropping more than 7%. So does a move in Amazon send a bigger warning signal about the consumer and maybe even the overall market. Dan, I'll start with you. You had an epic thread on Amazon on Twitter today. Well, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, we were talking about Amazon for most of 2020 that, you know, even when in the throes of the sell-off in February or March of 2020, Amazon only went down 25%, peaked to trough. That was dramatically outperformed the S&P that was down 35%, and it made a new high very quickly, and then it closed up on the year, up 55%. Their sales were up an astounding, I think they gained $100 billion in year-over-year sales from 2019, so they pulled forward a lot of Um, behavior. They obviously accelerated a lot of behavior, and that was great for Amazon. But that long consolidation that we've seen basically since September of 2020 kind of was telling you that that 2021 was going to look a little different and going forward. The growth structure, again, I think it's fine in this range. Guy Adami said last night, maybe you see it down back towards that 2,900, 3,000 range. That was the double bottom-ish level in those. um, So I don't think there's any reason to panic. That being said, Sarah Eisen just said, we had some data. We had worse than expected GDP. To, um, we had home sales that weren't that great, consumer confidence. So this might be a precursor for what we see for the back half but, of the year. But when you look at those levels, the 32.69 levels, the 200-day moving average, the June low was 31.72. We didn't even take a peek at either one of those levels. But this is a high flyer. There's no doubt about it. Are you going to get that CEO growing pains now going in? No, you didn't even mention the new CEO. Yeah. Right? Does it mean anything? Not really. So it doesn't mean anything yet until it means something. So can they turn the spigot on and off the way they did when Bezos was there? And I'm not sure they can. I believe the stock's okay, but I think you can get a a, a better. Question marks. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Question marks. But also, can it be as good as it was? And I think people are naturally going to say, let's take a breather here and then they'll get back. I think that's a question for a lot of um, stocks in the stock market these days, Brian Kelly. In particular, the retailers that we showed you at the top, those are all retailers that really benefited from consumers being locked down, shut in, had bored out of their gourds. They had nothing else to do except go on to Etsy and buy, you know, crocheted aprons and masks and things like that. And now you're wondering, are things ever going to be as good? That's a question for Amazon. That's a question for Etsy. That's a question for ThreadUp. All of them, right? Right. 
Right. Yeah, guilty on the crocheted aprons. I, I bought them out on those. Um, but I, listen, I think you're right. I mean, that's the question. They, these companies effectively had a monopoly for a year. And now everything's opened back up. Inventory is hard. So if you think about you look at consumer behavior, they're just going to buy wherever they can. And sometimes you can't necessarily get it at Amazon. They no longer have that monopoly. I don't think Amazon's going away by any means. But listen, this may be the peak of their growth for this cycle. And it may be for the other ones as well. What we have seen in the broader macroeconomic data is that inventories are at a low. So while we may see the economy weaken, which is kind of my base case, we start to see the economy weaken into Q3, Q4 here. Um, I don't know if the stock market will react because I think you could get this narrative of the inventory restock cycle. And that actually may drive the market more than these online names. Yeah. Nadine, what's your take? You know, I think that um, the, all the points are valid. There are some other ones that are interesting, too. Ad revenues up 88%. That's a big number. AWS was strong. Obviously, for data centers and people going to the cloud, that's huge. And so maybe while product was slightly weak from a, a growth decelerating standpoint, a lot of the other parts of the business are rocking and rolling. And if I'm a new CEO, I'm not going to give a big guidance number. So I don't blame him at all for kind of setting the bar at a reasonable level. He's going to want to beat it in the future. So I would say let people you know, write what they write. Maybe you get this at a little bit of cheaper price, but we're seeing at least 12% upside from here. Um, so I actually think that it's nice that it took a breather. And the other story from this is really underneath the surface. We saw from Unilever, people are going from Dove to cheaper brands. And then you saw from other folks like LVMH that they can get pricing on very expensive leather goods. So I think there's a lot to learn, not just from the deceleration of Amazon, but who's buying what. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned LVMH because we have seen the luxury trade do pretty right. well, Grasso. And that's where Capri Holdings comes in. So that was one of my pitches. I think we pitched it around $17. I said it was going to $100. When you look at operating margins, operating margins are over 20%. The street actually expected 12.8%. Now, this is where the I gotcha trade is. If you look at valuation now and it catches up to its peers, you're talking about a stock that's $156. Closed at 56. Just add another par on that. Add another $100 on that. It's getting a 10x multiple, 10 times. It trades at 10 times right now, mm -hmm. where the luxury peers are trading at 35 times. This, this trade is still good. I'm still there. Not as long as I was, but I'm still there. Yeah, but just quickly, Dan, the backdrop that you gave in terms of the, the soft um, data that we've been getting on the economy is your concern is about the consumer as a whole. Yeah, well, we see a lot of the stimulus is going to be rolling off. Who yeah. knows if there's going to be further fiscal stimulus? Um, you know, your guess is good as mine as, as far as the taper. I don't think that really affects consumers too much. Um, but I'll just say this, you know, when you think about Amazon and this long range that it's been in, it's had four 10% plus peak to trough declines over, you know, since last September. And last September, when the stock market, the S&P 500, sold off 10%, names like Amazon went down 20% right now. And we mentioned it last night. PayPal was down 5.5%. They missed and guided down. It's down 11% from its highs just last week or so. So I think you might have had some year-end, or excuse me, 
month-end action, right? We had that Fed meeting. There was just the broad markets were still levitating. The S&P still up 17% of the year, very near an all-time high. I just think you got to keep looking at these rotations, look under the hood. If you lose some of these guys like Amazon, they're only up 2% on the year right now. That's not going to be a great thing as we head into the fall and as investors might start to contemplate what a taper looks like for equities. Well, at the very start of the show, Brian Kelly, we were saying what a big week it was for earnings, and in particular, the biggest of the biggest tech names earnings. And for the most part, they were not much to write home about except for maybe Alphabet. So how does that set us up? Right. Well, and so what we had prior to this week of earnings is the market was rallying because you were looking at companies beating earnings. And so now we have, it's hard to even call this a a disappointment, right? It's, It's simply just maybe they didn't beat these high, high estimates. And at the valuations where the market is today, uh, you're going to be challenged on that. So, you know, my I I don't think that the market is going to respond that poorly to a decelerating economy, because what we've seen in the past is what the market responds to. If the consumer gets weak and prices go down a little bit, the Federal Reserve comes right back in. And given the statements from Powell this week and given the fact that we're starting to see some rollover in some of the inflation figures, particularly some of the inflation figures we saw today, I don't think they're going to taper for a long time. Therefore, I think risk assets should do fairly well. All right. Well, the markets may have taken a hit today, but the chart master says you might be able to find safety in one precious metal. Carter Worth of Cornerstone Macros here to chart it out. Hey, Carter, what are you looking at? You bet. Let's take a look. Three simple charts. We're going to first look at the relationship between real interest rates and gold. And you see that there. This is, again, gold juxtaposed against real rates inverted. And the correlation runs at about 90%. We know that real rates are making new lows uh, this week at negative one spot, 2% almost, a little bit less. And so the question is, does gold have a bit of a tailwind? Two charts on gold. The first is just a three-year chart. And what we know, of course, is we got that 20% drawdown. We had that peak uh, back in, about a year ago. It was in August. We were at 2110. We draw down 20% to 1920. We bounce, and we've been sort of chopping around. But now look at the third and final chart. It's the same thing, but I've annotated. I've put lines in, and this is the issue. We're, we're working into an apex, uh, a standoff, if you will. Uh, is gold going to break out as I've drawn the arrow, or is it going to do something else? Our hunch here is that the way the miners are holding in and the way gold is positioned here and what real rates are doing, not to mention 10-year yields uh, outright, that gold is a good play. Um, Carter, we mentioned this in the terms of, of, of gold being a safe haven, and I'm just curious, how does Bitcoin look these days? Well, so Bitcoin is uh, hardly a safe haven in terms of its volatility. We know it, it, it takes its dive, an epic one, right? We're talking 55, almost 60 percent. Uh, grinds sideways for three months and has a huge pop just in the past eight, ten sessions and now chopping around. It really, uh, it, it's not in any particular position. I would say you don't bet it long, you don't bet it short, right here and now. All right. Carter, we'll see you soon on Options Action. Carter Braxtonworth of Cornerstone Macro. Nadine, how are you feeling about gold these days? Well, we've been adding to our positions in the last couple of weeks, and I look at something for, like the GLD, which is the gold ETF. 
Um, our low end of the risk range there is about 167.50. It's got a 47% implied volatility premium. What does that mean? People are paying up for protection, so people are worried. We like it. In addition to rates, as Carter mentioned, it's also negatively correlated with the U.S. dollar. And anybody can take a look at the chart. The dollar's been going down for a bit of a, a bit of time here, which means that gold should go up. So uh, we're bullish on gold. And although one of our favorite names, which is Franco Nevada, it's you know, we're out there letting people know that we own it. Um, I'd get it more at the 146 level. But right now you could get into the GLD. I think it has better asymmetry for your uh, viewers. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Carter's char- uh, charts point to a move back towards that high last summer. What happened last summer when it topped out? That's when Bitcoin started going back up. And I'll leave that to BK right here. If I'm inclined to buy gold for an inflationary hedge, I'm probably more inclined at this point to buy Bitcoin. I mean, it just doesn't, I, I don't, you know, all these people, Guy Dami's not here right now. He started trading the gold what in the 70s or early 80s? 60s. He was actually the original miner. Yeah, but it just doesn't, you know, to me, it doesn't make any sense. If that's the asset that you want to own, loan single digits in your portfolio to be an inflation hedge, well, I'd probably rather do well, uh, And, and if, if you are going to buy gold, then you buy the miners because the miners outperform or underperform uh, by three to one on leverage because they're the master of their own destiny. So if you think gold is turning up, buy the miners, you get a little more beta. Brian Kelly, you got to go to you for your Bitcoin commentary. But I mean, in your portfolio, is there a place for both gold and Bitcoin? There, there absolutely is. I mean, I'm long gold and silver at this point in time. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I do think it's the same play. And I would agree it's a similar play. I shouldn't say it's the same play. It's a similar play. Uh, but the tailwinds are the same. So and, and just a, a clarification. Dan was saying Guy traded gold in the 70s. I think he meant the 1870s, just so we know what, what, when that was. But point being, 1870s or today, I think it's the same trade here uh, in that you're going to hedge inflation. Bitcoin's a better hedge for that. Plus, you got this upside tech kicker, right, that this could displace gold. Bitcoin's market cap's about six, $700 billion right now. Gold is $10 trillion. There's just this big upside call option in Bitcoin relative to gold. But that doesn't mean you don't have to. You can't buy gold. I like both gold. Silver is, again, something that looks like it really wants to run higher. So gold, silver, Bitcoin, go for it. All right. Coming up, the earnings just won't stop. Another big week on tap is a ton of names gear up to report. We're digging into those names in just a few. But first, energy losing power. Some big oil stocks drop after earnings. The traders will break down which names they are watching. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. 
I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Energy stocks closing out a rough month with more losses. The XLE down almost 2% today and 8.5% in July. The move coming as shares of Exxon and Chevron are both under pressure despite posting earnings beats before the bell. Um, Nadine, what do you make of these moves? You're, you're in and integrated, right? Um, yeah, so we've been in energy. I mean, we we build it up, we bring it down once it gets overbought. And we just think of this as a natural trading range. We're not very concerned in it. There are other names we like better, though. I think what you saw with Exxon is that they're paying down debt with some of their cash flow. People were hoping for a distribution more to shareholders, but we're seeing that in spades with Shell. So if you look at Shell, they're distributing 20 to 30 percent of their cash flow to shareholders. They just increased their dividend payout by 38 percent sequentially and they're going to resume their $2 billion buyback in the second half of the year. Shareholders love that. They've also shown incredible capital discipline as well as increased returns on their investments. So I don't think it's the type of thing where you, Mel, can go into any company, but we're trying to pick the companies that are really shareholder-oriented that also did the work during the pandemic and will come out very shareholder-friendly in terms of free cash flow and what they're distributing. So I can't argue with anything that Nadine said, but if you look at all of these charts, they're not back to the pre-pandemic levels. Mm -hmm. So for me, the risk reward, I think it's still ESG investing is a major headwind that people don't want to touch this space or sector. So it's not really value to me if no one wants to play in it. So for me, the bang, bang versus uh, reality of not getting back to those levels is terrible. So stay clear. Well, it's $100. Pre-pandemic level was 120 So I'm risking the downside of maybe 60 dollars as a pre-pandemic level or a, or a post-pandemic uh, trough to earn 20 percent. I don't think it's there. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We were talking about um, the commodity. We were seeing a lot of commodities, a lot of inputs, and this was kind of feeding into that inflation conversation in the, in the right. spring or so. And, you know, a lot of us, or some of us in particular, were calling it the transitory tantrum. We just really thought they were getting... You mean you? Yeah, me. Uh, they were getting overbought <laughs> a little bit. But what was interesting about crude, and it really has, it had that 15% peak to trough decline yeah. just in the last few weeks. It's come back now. Now it's within a few percent from its prior highs. The OIH, the oil service ETF, is still down about 15%. The XLE is still down about 13%. They really haven't caught a great bounce here. So if crude were to take another spill lower, as we just started the show talking about, there's weakening data. Yeah. Rates are back at one, two, two in the 10 year. What is that telling us? You know, so to me, it just doesn't feel that great right now. So I'm not sure you need to be buying those things because they don't really have a lot of technical support. They have broken the uptrends that were in place from their March 2020 lows. Yeah. Brian Kelly, you know, it's a good point in terms of uh, Dan in particular talking about the transitory <laughs> tantrum. It was only him, but it's a great it's a great uh, turn of phrase. 
days um, because we saw so many of these. I mean, lumber is probably the poster child of that, right? I mean, we're all yeah. ring, hand wringing with the rise and spike in lumber prices, and now it's down, what, 60 percent or so um, from its high. Right. Right. Yeah, no, Dan was spot on with that. I mean, I still happen to think that over time we're going to have increased inflation. But for the time being, it does appear that we're having this transitory wave go on. In terms of the energy stocks, you know, Exxon, these integrated like that, to me, they're all of the risk and none of the reward. For every point that everybody else has brought up, they just haven't gone up. So I would look in the energy space, you want to go with the ones that the government's going to be behind. So look at something like a first solar today, mm. up almost 3% on the day. They had terrible news last night, bad earnings. They're having trouble getting supplies and all of that. And yet the stock was up. That to me is the trade that I love. Bad news, good price action, BK buys. Interesting one. All right, coming up, another big week of earnings ahead. So which names should you keep an eye on? Our traders are giving their picks next. Plus, Amgen's had a wild ride this year. So how should you trade this biotech name? The option traders are laying it all out on a jam-packed options action that's coming your way in just a few. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another big week of earnings coming up next week. Among the companies reporting, Alibaba, GM, Uber, Square, DraftKings. So which one are you watching? Nadine, what do you say? I'm watching Square. I think that people painted the same brush as PayPal as Square. So you've got a little bit more of an attractive entry price. We're also seeing big implied volatility premiums, so people are protecting this name. If we can learn a little bit more about how they're connecting their ecosystems, our trading range is about 235 to 275. So between now and Thursday, if you can get at the low end of the range, I think it would be pretty asymmetric. Um, They have so many ways to play what they're doing. We're going to learn a lot strategically. I think this is a great name to own and hold. Brian Kelly. Yeah, you know, for me, I'd look at Uber, right? So what we've seen, particularly in the transportation space, is we've had this reopening, but they do more than that. They're doing delivery. And we're seeing, at least on the private company level, a lot of uh, action in the grocery delivery area. A lot of companies getting bought out, a lot of venture capital in there. And I want to see how Uber is going against that competition and how well they're doing against that competition. So I think that'll be really interesting to see if they can expand their product lines. Steve? Viacom. Viacom had a forced liquidation uh, a bunch of months ago, and it's done nothing but move sideways. It's building a base. I'm still in it. It's down from $100. It's trading around 37 to 45 for months now. I think this thing is getting ready to explode. I just want to see what they look like next week, but I'm staying in the trade. Are you thinking it's a, some sort of takeover? Yeah, I think, I think that the, the, the dance partners have been around with yeah. streaming, and everyone seems to have found a JV or a partner, and I think Viacom has a lot of assets there, and they should be the next up. Now, I don't know what any of the traders are going to say yeah. when I ask them which names that they're going to watch. I'm really hoping somebody's going to say Alibaba. But oh. I'm watching Alibaba, Mel. And let me tell you why. This <laughs> are you serious? Been in, no, I actually, I was literally just going to make something up when All you right. got no, to no, me. No, go ahead. No, but go Alibaba ahead. is kind of interesting. And I actually, my final trade last night was FXI. Alibaba is like 10% yeah. of the FXI. And listen, obviously, we know all the headlines. We don't know how it's going to play out. I have to assume we're kind of getting close here. This stock is down from 320. It got down to 180, I think, a week or two ago. Um, you know, had a nice little bounce. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think much of what they say is going going to change anything that uh, U.S. investors who've been selling it change their minds right now. We need to see something come from up top. 
Now, what were you really going to say? Well, I find Uber really interesting. Uber's down 15% <laughs> on the year, and it's down a lot from its highs earlier in the year. And if you live in a place like New York City, and you look at the availability of Ubers and the pricing of Ubers, it feels like the pandemic broke that business model to me. So I want to see it's back at the, the lows from a couple months ago. Let's see if we can hold that. All right. Why don't we get to the final tray oh. around the horn? Yeah. Brian Kelly. Uh, don't forget the cyber. That's still a threat out there. Cyber art. C-Y-B-R. Nadine Terman. I'll still go with gold GLD. Steve Grasso. So the stock I originally, it's you, Y-O-U. It's clear technology. I'm a member. I guess that's how you say it. I'm a member. It's made my life really easy moving through an airport with six people. This is clear. This is clear. And it's it's made my life really, really easy. But the original reason why I bought the stock was the very anemic float. It still has an anemic float. I think that the stock could move around pretty good. So I'm staying in, and I think it's going to be drastically higher in the next couple of months. Dan Nathan, first yeah. of all, thanks for playing along when yeah. I said I really hope somebody is going to say I'm Bob. here for you, Mel. I'm in guy's seat. Um, you know, I, I'm with Steve on that clear. I love that thing. I don't have a family as big as yours, but, I mean, it certainly does help. <laughs> you want a couple of them? A few people do. Yeah, you know, this is one that we haven't talked about in a long time. And maybe Amazon's pain is Walmart's gain. My friend Danny Moses brought this up to me. He said, look at that chart, Dan. That looks like it's going to break out. They report in a couple weeks. It's kind of just been under the radar here a little bit. So, Walmart. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.